0: Bye. Grapple fans, and welcome to another edition of the Meltzer Five Star Project within the larger oeuvre that is Let Me Tell You Something, a weekly podcast about professional wrestling. And this time we're taking another match that Dave has rated five stars or higher to give a General discussion, review, critique, and to give our own opinions on that said match, and to see if we would also give it the perfect five-star rating. And by we, I mean your co-host Lorcan Mullen, and I'm with you as always is your other co-host. Simon Cross, what sort of egg? Was that oeuvre? What's
1: French for egg?
0: Uh, uff. I know that because Aaron Sorkins used the line, why do French only eat one egg for breakfast? Because in France, one egg is enough. <laughs> He used that in more than one of his works because I know he used it in the West Wing. And then it's like one of the main lines of dialogue in the new The Trial of the Chicago 7. It's a joke that Aaron Sorkin believes should be used over multiple platforms. Speaking of multiple platforms, we're talking about a match that's been given five stars that's been wrestled in multiple promotions. I'm wondering actually if this is the first one that falls under that category. There's something to look up at a later point. But Simon, what match are we covering today? Uh, we're covering
1: the New Japan Cup second round match between Zack Sabre Jr.
0: and Will Osprey. What I wrote down in my notes as the most technically proficient fight outsider of spoons I've ever seen.
1: <laughs> Some of the slang dropped in this match is... Oh. Oh, for a man who's been in lockdown for nearly a year, I've, I've wanted to hear those words for quite some time. Yes,
0: so maybe this is the only wrestling match that's been given five stars and happened in two separate promotions. Because one of the last matches that got five stars before the lockdown happened was around this time last year, maybe a couple of months beforehand when Will Ospreay defeated Zack Sabre Jr. for the Rev Pro Championship belt that he's wearing to the ring on this very occasion. And my, what a difference a year makes. Because in that one, it was like the final hurdle of his ascent to the top wrestling star of the British wrestling scene, essentially. And then he hasn't really wrestled in front of a British crowd ever since then, I think. (laughs) And in that one, he's the plucky underdog babyface. But in the interim, we've had him turn heel on Okada, formed his own heel faction in new japan and now it's very much a heel versus heel matchup neither man i was saying both people both of these men in this match have theoretical things that you can sympathize with them in the match for their baby but they also never uh, forego their general dickish heel behavior either of them it's a fight
1: between a wanker and a lesser wanker.
0: I don't know if there's a lesser wanker. The lesser is only by slight degrees. I, I give it to Zach slightly.
1: Yeah. It's just
0: such... A, I, lo, I love this. I, I
1: really did love this match. And it's so, such an easy, simple story to build it around. Especially because, like, Will Ospreay in the last even in the last year has continued to like try and make himself more swole and more like heavyweight.
0: Well there's a moment in this match where he's faking out the dive to the outside and then he just rolls out and kicks him in the face and says, I don't need that anymore. There's a lot of talking in this match. Yeah,
1: and I think the heel turn's done him the world of good in terms of like keeping his character fresh. And in terms of like as I say, like shit talking, both of them are class in this match.
0: There's a lot of verbal, as you say. There's a lot of dickheads being thrown around.
1: What was there, like Pratt or Muppet at some point as well? It's like, oh, oh, just appeals right to the core of the British man inside me.
0: There is no sense of what has always been the case of Zack being the superior to Osprey. At this point, it's very much a clash of equals. If anything, maybe Osprey is that step above because he's the one that, is facing Kazuchika Okada at the Wrestle Kingdoms, whereas Zack, for the most part over the past year or so in New Japan at least, has been mostly working in the tag team division with Chi as Dangerous Tekers. Yeah.
1: He definitely is in terms of like the in ring action. He's he's the inferior from a physical standpoint. That's the story they're telling. Not by much. Not, Not by, by much. much. And uh, he's kind of like negated that by his previous night like um, sneak attack on Osprey. And obviously that's why Osprey's wearing the shoulder bandage. And that's what that's the table they've set and it's the story they work around is Osprey's arm.
0: Yeah, the key to the match is that Osprey is probably the more aggressive of the two in that he wants to end the match as quickly as possible. Literally attacks him at the bell with a charging drop kick, goes out for a Piscado, throws him back in, hits Pip Pip Cheerio, and he's trying to get the win as quickly as possible because of the potential weakness in his arm. And just throughout the match for Zach. It's nearly always everything's targeted towards Osprey's arm and his shoulder, and whenever Osprey goes and hits him with a chop or a forearm, he's always selling the arm. I
1: was just going to jump on that because it's not just that Zach's targeting the arm; it's he's goading Will to use the arm as well. There's various points he's inviting the chop, and even though he, it really hurts him, he, he's he's enjoying it because the more energy and like effort ex- expended. By a Osprey in each chop, the more it damages the already injured arm.
0: Yeah, and Kevin Kelly makes that point that it's essentially a rope-a-dope strategy that Zack Sabre is using. And following on as well from the Rev Pro match, there is always this sense that these two guys know each other so well that they're wrestling at this pace of reversals and counters, but it never feels choreographed. Mm. It feels like they just know this is what the other guy's going to go for. It seems every time that Will Ospreay hits Zack with a boot or goes for a kick or a high kick, Zack Sabre either catches the forearm or is desperately trying to clasp at the forearm, even if he's taken the shot or, or Ospreay has slightly mishit it. And I love that throughout it, that it's not just... Zach going for the ankle when it's the spot for him to reverse the move. It's that Zach strategy every time. Mm. Sometimes it works out for him. Sometimes it doesn't.
1: I think there's only two occasions where uh, Will hits him clean, where Zach hasn't even like managed to get a hand on it, and that's like one spin kick and the Chelsea grin at the end. But otherwise, you're right. He's he even if it gets through Zach's grasp, he's always trying to like make something of each strike attempt that Will froze at him.
0: Hmm. There is a sense throughout this whole thing, and um, this whole tournament's really been a story of Will Ospreay saying, I'm not waiting around anymore, I am the top guy. Even though he fell to Kazuchika Okada, that's just made him even more determined to prove what he believes himself to be at this point. And like I said, there's no sense of any inferiority to Zack Sabre. If anything, he's trying to dominate and bully him to the point that he kicks him out of the ring and says, it's my ring now. Yeah. And he's just trying to bully Zach in the way that Zach had always bullied him. You know, Zach would always, when when he makes the entrance, he tries to square up to Will Ospreay. And Ospreay's just like, just charges back at him. He's like, I'm not going to take that. And like I said, right at the bell, he attacks him. So he's going to be the aggressor. It had always been Zach that had been the aggressor against him. And this time he's not going to stand for it anymore. It's
1: a little bit like Zach's gone from bigger brother to little brother.
0: Or maybe so like when the little brother essentially reaches their physical maturity as well so that there's no inherent size advantage that the older brother has anymore it's like i'm the oldest brother and i i'm either the shortest or the uh, slightly taller than the middle one the youngest of us is the tallest now and he's the biggest of all of us so yeah i'm not i'm not practicing my sharpshooters anymore, <laughs> put it that way
1: uh, me and my sister was different, in, like in terms of like that.
0: She's always been able to beat you. Up. No,
1: no. What it was was the day she broke a boy's jaw. The narrative changed <laughs> in our um, <laughs> in our like sibling fights. The the boy was chasing her around, and it, it, she sort of it, like ended up like as the guy slipped, she like kicked backwards, as like in a mule kick and connects flush Ooh. on his jaw. And ever, ever since that point, whenever even when we were play fighting, I would shoot for the double leg takedown or ankle lock. Grapevine it straight away. Take the legs out of the game. Every single time. That was my, like, go-to strategy.
0: When was the last brother-sister fight, then?
1: Oh, we were both teenagers.
0: <laughs> I thought you were going to say it was last Christmas. <laughs> no, I think it stopped not long after I went to university. Not long after? So she'd have, like, been <laughs> so 14. It was going on a bit. She would come over occasionally, just out in the middle of nowhere, in the, in the <laughs> middle of Leicester. She'd just suddenly get an elbow in the back of your head.
1: Like Peter Griffin <laughs> and the chicken. Pretty
0: much, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, that is what's what's curious as well, is that... Like we say, Will Ospreay isn't doing as much of the high flying anymore, other than Pescado and the Pip Pip Cheerio and his os Cutters. His high flying is really decreased at this point, and he, he does technical moves on Zack, and he goes like, "I'm the technical wizard now." And when Zack tries to do one of his classic technical uh, wrestling escapes, where you know he pushes down his his uh, inner knee inside his knee to bring him to bring Zack to him and turn it into a headlock will osprey knows exactly what to do and holds back and it sort of brings him down into a surfboard i love all that stuff
1: there's a moment uh he hits the cheeky nando's kick then hits the oscar and it's even the commentators like saying oh he's not he used to call that the cheeky nando's kick but there's no like like kitsch
0: little nicknames now i always love it as well in matches where something that's New Japan have been so good at this that fundamental moves can suddenly become very important shifting of the tide. Obvious examples being Kazuchika Okada making the dropkick essentially one of his three top moves. It's his dropkick, tombstone, piledriver, driver and rainmaker. And I guess now money clip Yeah. on top of that. And with this one, one of the big, big changes of momentum in the match is when Zack Sabre Jr. literally hits an arm drag on Will Ospreay because it's not just a simple... Oh,
1: what an arm yeah, drag. Yeah,
0: there's a real sense of the wrench behind it. He's just he's targeting the shoulder throughout it all and, and Osprey's selling of it is fantastic. And
1: at that point, I've got in my head like a shark sensing blood. Zack's eyes literally light up. It's beautiful watching him at work just like attack a limb relentlessly. It's like a wild animal. It's, it's instinctual. When you mentioned it's not choreographed, when they're countering each other, it's instinctual. It's just muscle memory. It's it's
0: knowledge. It's counters to counters counters. Yeah. It's not... And what do you think as well of the banter that's going on? Because I've said so many times when we watch an Ishii Minoru Suzuki match, we wish we could understand what they're saying to each other without the extra layer of translation i wonder if that's what the japanese are experiencing with this match that <laughs> it's the other way around that they're not getting some of the i won't say nuances because there's nothing nuanced with what they're saying no. it's one of the features to come out
1: of the lockdown era and i think it's one of the things that roman reigns has done especially well as well it's like you can hear his shit talking especially to like Jey uso because there was that familiar link in it.
0: But at times that can feel so scripted and unnatural and forced. You know, we've always said that's the worst element of the Triple H Shawn Michaels idea of what makes great epic dramatic wrestling. Mm. Whereas this, it really does feel like they're just improvising aggressive banter towards one another. It is just... Oi, dickhead! Come on! <laughs> the difference is
1: this is like something that accentuates the story that's being told. It's not them trying to tell the story with it, which the WWE does a lot more
0: of. It's more just character interaction rather than epic narrative. Yeah, it's seasoning. It's not It's not the meal. And it is, like I said, there's a moment where Will Ospreay kicks Zack out of the ring and goes, My ring now! And Zack in return starts kicking him towards ring, but he doesn't get him out. But he is saying, uh, I don't hear you talking now, moron. Oh, that was it, moron. <laughs> you haven't heard moron in a while. Oh, I loved it. You might not have heard moron in a while, Simon, <laughs> but if you read my quarterly reviews. A lot of the time people complain about 45-minute, 50-minute matches and the, the lack of them actually having anything to do. There is not a wasted motion in the 21 minutes they go in this match. They don't bother with a 10 minutes on the mats. They just get on with it. You
1: don't notice until... I think there is, like, some... Uh, the commentator does make mention of the fact of the 20-minute mark at some point. And uh, Will himself, at the 5-minute mark, goes, Oh, only 5 minutes! <laughs> I've said it before in this. Being healed is what's best for
0: him right now. Well, in, in real life, he seems to have revealed certain... Elements to himself that make a lot of people... A lot of people have refused to watch this match on those grounds. Mm -hmm. And I can't deny them that. Essentially, for the concept of the match, uh, we're going to have to do it. For the concept of the show, we don't have to. We could just stop the show entirely. I'm willing to watch it, but I'm also not necessarily going to applaud him for his actions outside of the ring. But you can't deny his abilities within the ring. Both physical and now more with the character stuff. The promos that he cuts in the ring after winning the match and then backstage as well just off the cuff remarks he's really good at his work right now Mm. this is a fantastic heel versus heel match that they both are aggressive and horrible and you would feel like if it was against anyone else you'd be booing them
1: well, this is it. I said I was more leaning towards Zach, and it's not because Zach's a good guy; it's just because Will's a bit more of a prick in my eyes in this
0: match. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That if Zach were yelling and abusing and putting into torturous submission holds and breaking the nose of and um, abusing the injured limb, it, it's it's classic heel work. And if it's against, yeah, if he's doing all this against Ricky Steamboat, then it's a different story. <laughs> in That'd be eternal. <laughs> I'm sure he'd he'd love the arm drag. Oh, he would. Even even as he's in pain, he would applaud Zack for his arm drag work. (laughs) So, yeah, like I said, I just love little things like Zack, when he's woozy from a kick, still going to try and grab the ankle. There's a constant... They're constantly trying to win the match throughout it all. What do you think of the fact that Zack Sabre Jr.'s submissions aren't even necessarily standard moves he does have his classic moves and his classic submissions but it is just oh you're you're trying to grab the ropes with your foot so i'll try and just incorporate your leg into this submission hold as well it's weird
1: it's not like he's like just applying as you say like a textbook hold that's been drilled into him it's like it's like he's been trained in like a certain like mystical cave or dungeon he
0: knows all the pressure points it's
1: kind of like the wrestling version of the force he just feels he goes with the flow. I mean, I'm not
0: saying Alec Guinness trains Axe Sabre Jr., but <laughs> he wouldn't. He wouldn't care for his diction. Hey. No, no, dear boy, not talking now, you dickhead. Is how he would pronounce it. Yeah, I don't really have much more to say. It was just uh, uh, I don't quite get where Osprey broke his nose. There was no. I was expecting a strike of some description or a a mishit foot. I was wondering if it might have been a case that maybe. Osprey's nose was pulled up accidentally.
1: The only, t- the first time I saw it, I thought it was his ear because the blood's like smeared all over his cheek, and I, I thought like he just had like a, p- a perforated eardrum.
0: No, but it was from his nose, and that was built into the storyline oh, yeah. for the rest of the tournament. oh Okay, that he thought Sonada had made a gentleman's agreement not to hit him, and then Sonada just punched him in the nose. <laughs> Sonata does not give a shit about your games <laughs> that's literally what he said there was a bit where because I don't know if you ever go on the YouTube channel and you see their post match comments and one of them was Sonata and he just walks through and he goes "Osprey, I don't give a shit about your nose <laughs> <laughs> and Osprey then he's like I thought we had a gentleman's agreement
1: that we would not Osprey referring to himself as a gentleman is. It's iffy.
0: But this is obviously the path that we're going to go down with Osprey. And it is. A, it's always a wonder with a heel that how can you do a heel and have them still do flashy moves? And obviously, he doesn't do as many flashy moves. You don't really see the that 360 pump kick thing that he does, which is just insane. Yeah. But he will still do the os cutter. He will still do. The spin kick. Because you can make it work insofar as, like, the heel that's so smug about his own abilities that you won't even applaud him even though you think he should it's
1: kind of like stormbreaker is a flashy move in a sense though because when he hits it at the end it's it's the fact that he can like move zach around in the way that he can yeah. he there's there's a flashy part of that to him
0: well it's all about evolving isn't it because it comes from obviously zach gets him into a triangle choke and then Osprey starts climbing up the ropes with him. And then it's that case of who's going to hit the big move off the ropes that might win it. Although it's Zack that hits it and it's still Osprey that comes out mm. the winner in the end. Like you say, through improvisation or things. And there's that classic G1 finish essentially of reversal, 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 reversal. The one who gets it, hits it and wins it. It kind of works more for these two because the whole story is how well they know each other. And they've just been countering everything throughout the whole match. So it really is in f- in keeping with the match that it's still is. Yeah. Reversal, reversal, reversal. Instead of, it's a new Japan tournament match, so we've got to do these final two minutes of reversals. Yeah, these guys
1: aren't going to forget everything they've learned about each other. So you're right, it does track
0: in the way that they do it. And also, the blood loss does give the sense of this being a war. It's weird with blood, isn't it? Because sometimes
1: the best blood is accidental blood, like non-blading blood. And this fits into that.
0: And the Osprey is wearing the, the wounds of war from it at the end when he's got and taking the face mask visual of it being a towel wrapped around his mouth which I think is really clever like Ospreay is not a very clever man but he just has certain levels of instinct in the ring and not just for wrestling but for character work for promo work He's got a lot of things to do to improve himself as a person, but he doesn't have many more things left to do to improve himself as a wrestler. Yeah. I suppose there's a lot of like press about his out of ring stuff already, so we'll we'll not bother with that. Yeah, yet. but um, what about Zach then? Because Zach obviously is is not the Guy that they're building towards winning the New Japan Cup. although we did win it the first time. But it, I don't see Zack Saber Junior. having a Wrestle Kingdom main event in his future, whereas no. I camp Will Ospreay. Yeah, I don't. I never see a, a heavyweight reign in Zach's future, wh- wh- whereas I do with Osprey.
1: Yeah,
0: I can see a never reign. I can see a a United States reign because he was supposed to be feuding with John Moxley before all of this happened. So maybe that's what they'll set up in the near future. You never know, maybe suzuki Goon will become Teka Goon and they'll become co-leaders of suzuki Goon, mm-hmm. and kicks Minoru Suzuki out, for all we know, and then maybe maybe they would consider building Zack up for that main event spot over time. I do like how him and Taichi have a loving... I mean, Taichi's tenderly cradling his head <laughs> at the end of the match... Oh, it's, it's
1: brotherhood, though. Like it's...
0: I do like that basically until until Osprey's turn, the two biggest arseholes in the promotion were tag team champions together <laughs> with their psycho dad running the group as well.
1: <laughs> <laughs> God, imagine Suzuki as your dad. Jesus.
0: Yeah, I don't have really anything else left to add about the match. Do you have anything left?
1: No, I just want to emphasise. It's one of those things that it, when you do it right, it looks easy, I should say. They set out the story of the match within the first minute. I didn't need to have heard the English commentary to realise, obviously, the arm was going to be an issue.
0: Although I do think Kevin Kelly did a really good job as a one-man commentary team as well. He
1: did. He got a little too self-referential for me when he talked about, all the sound men might have hard trouble doing my levels because of how much I'm screaming because of this match. I'm like...
0: I get that. I don't don't really have a problem with that. Yeah. I I
1: don't know. For me, it was just a little bit too, like, nod and a wink.
0: I don't think we can possibly criticise anyone else for using nods and (laughs) winks in their audio work somehow, Simon. No, no.
1: I, 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 I take what you're saying, but... Just in the moment, that's what but I But we're felt. not getting
0: paid for it, I suppose. But I don't have anything left to say about this match then, other than to ask Simon, and I think I know the answer. Would you give this five stars? I would, yes. I wouldn't, because I kind of feel like tournament quarterfinal shouldn't be five-star matches, really. But I would probably go either four-and-a-half or four-and-three-quarters. I I thought it was fantastic for what it was, you know. Mm. But that is, again, just because the match does everything that it's set out to do doesn't mean that that is what I would consider necessary to be a five-star match, personally. There's no sense of this being a special occasion or a special event, whereas the other match that happened this week... That Meltzer didn't give five stars to, oh. which was the Thunder Rosa-Britt Baker. That does feel like it was a special event. That was weird, because going into
1: it, I didn't... I'm going to go on a little segue. I thought that feud had gone on for too long, and I was like, oh, okay, they're, they're going to do this. It might be a bit of a novelty. And I came out of it going, that was
0: mint! Oh, my God! That they, they really... I would not be surprised. I guess you couldn't really do now with those two, because... Maybe there's nowhere else you can go with them, but I could see either Britt Baker or Thunder Rosa main eventing an AEW pay-per-view at some point in the future. Yeah, I think when crowds come back,
1: I think heel Britt's going to work well with them. I'm confident there.
0: And another example of a heel taking a a hell of a beating and still making it work, just like what Zach and Osprey both did in this match. You understand the pain, but you kind of uh, enjoy that it's them that are on the receiving end of it. But anyway, what have we got next coming up, Simon? We're going back to match of the week. It was the one that we promised previously. It's LAX against Team 3D. Oh my God, I'm
1: so excited for everyone.
0: (laughs) Well, let's hope this doesn't have a, a similar Sting and Lex Luger versus the Steiner Brothers delay. Although, like I said, I would not be surprised if next week we're going to be discussing the new Japan Cup final. I'll yeah, have to wait until the Friday to find out one way or the other.
1: All I'll say to our listeners is uh, that is one of the most enjoyable recordings I have ever done. I think is is talking about the spectacle. <laughs> Of LAX versus Team 3D.
0: Well, if people want to get in touch with you to talk about the spectacle of LAX versus Team 3D, because they can't wait that long, Simon, how can they do so?
1: <laughs> they can get in touch with me on Twitter, where I'm so known as Simon Cross Free. Free for the minimum times in a minute. I heard the word
0: wanker. My name is Lorca it's L-O-R-C-A-N-M-U-L-L-A-N That are the second and third letters in wanker. <laughs> That's my Twitter handle, Instagram, Facebook, Letterboxd. If you put it in at gmail.com at the end of it, that's my email address as well. You can follow my two movie podcasts, Best of Worst of British, which has new episodes out coming up in April, and a new podcast series that will be coming out soon called 21st Films. Keep an eye out for that. That will also start... Releasing. Because if there's one thing that law can hates, it's relaxing. Oh, God, yes. That's also... Yeah, Simon might suddenly have to start editing these things. So we'll see what Simon the Editor does... When you agree, Simon, you 7 foot penis man. (laughs) Check us out on Apple Podcasts, leave the five-star reviews, and don't forget, we have a Patreon. patreon Yep, patreon.com slash l-m-t-y-s pod. But there's nothing left to say at this point, except that my name's Lorcan Mullen. And my name is...
1: 7-inch penis. No, that's not good.
0: 12-inch. 7-inch? Wow. Ah, Someone's ah, idea. I can't can't hear you, Lorcan.
1: You're you're breaking up.
0: If he hasn't edited that out, that shows you that it's not Simon that's editing this at this point. But thank you for letting us tell you something and maybe something you didn't want to know. But until that time, have a 5-inch or 5-star time. Until the next time. (laughs) Oh
1: <laughs>